Hola y bienvenidos a la Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Barnes. Presidente es la mejor cerveza. No. Abate por No Filter Network. Miguelito Santiago. And Will the Thrill. Not with us today. But in their honor. To salute not only them, but each and every one of you joining us. We properly say good morning and happy Monday. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks. When we are juiceful, we are useful. And when we are juiceless, we are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. A very pleasant good morning to you on the 29th day of January, 2024. So basically, yesterday, what a day in sports. What a day for the San Francisco 49ers and the 49er faithful. As you can see, I got the Montana jersey flying high this a.m. and for good reason. He was the honorary captain yesterday. And, of course, at the end of the game, Jed York had Joe Montana there to be the recipient of the NFC Championship trophy. Look, slice and dice it however you want. The 49ers are fucking doing it right. Since John Lynch has taken over. This is one of the best run franchises in all the sports. That was their fourth consecutive NFC title game. And the fact that they had to come back from down 17 points at halftime was just fucking awesome in every sense of those two words. It made it worthy. It made it exciting there was an article last week in the san francisco chronicle that i actually read in the paper the actual newspaper a physical thing so they used to have these things called newspapers where they would print them out on all these different pages and then send them out well i the place where i breakfast the other day they had a san francisco chronicle Right down the street here. And I was with Gall, John Seagull, president of USA Baseball, of course. And Gall is a absolute snob when it comes to newspapers. I don't know if the guy reads articles online like ever. Seriously. Every time that we send back and forth things on our <coughs> commitment chat, Gall... Literally, we'll send pictures of newspapers. So they were talking about the most fun teams in Bay Area sports history. They're not talking about the best teams, the, the most fun teams. And they had this San Francisco 49ers group towards the top of that list. Now, where they end up, you can't analyze them until after it's all said and done. But some of the teams... That were mentioned, for example, like the Hum Baby 
San Francisco Giants, 1986 to 1989. Mention the 07 Golden State Warriors, we believe. They had, I know an honorable mention, was the Oakland A's teams of that 2000 to 2005 Moneyball era. Of course, the San Francisco Giants, 2010 to 2014, the three world championships. I mean, that's such an easy call. But they were saying how complete of a team that this is in the entertainment department, whether it is Mr. Irrelevant himself, Brock Purdy, to Christian McCaffrey, arguably one of the best football players to ever live, Debo Samuel and how electric he is, George Kittle, Brendan Ayuk, by the way, uh, from Reno. My kids were all excited about that knowing that he went to McQueen High School so you look at whether it's Bosa on the defensive side of the ball and the list of characters goes on and on with this San Francisco 49ers team but then you have John Lynch the architect of all of it and his ties to Stanford University and NFL Hall of Famer just an absolute stud a uh, brilliant, brilliant man at Shanahan, who used to be the ball boy for the San Francisco 49ers. There's so many great stories that come from this current San Francisco 49ers team. And Michael Zagaris, who I keep in contact with on a daily basis, is the team photographer for the San Francisco 49ers. He's captured all of it. He's captured it all from... The 70s, oh no, I mean, shit, probably back in the 60s as well. But Z-Man, I I just want to say how much of a treat that it's been with our daily constant communications. And it's on Instagram. This is why I love social media. Because I don't know if Z and I would be texting each other every day. But we're sending reels back and forth. And we're communicating back and forth. And it's, uh, it's just really special. And so, we're going to get him on here too, by the way. Fuck, I should have got him on this morning. I'm going to get him on tomorrow. He's coming on Daily Hustle tomorrow. So long as, obviously, he can make it. But, Z, uh, you know, to hear him talk about this current Niners team, it's similar to talking about Joe and Dwight back in the day, and that's... That's what gives me the chills, man. And I can't, I can't say, look, how grateful I am to have grown up in that era of San Francisco 49er football to what, what four Super Bowls? Is that right? Four for four? Uh five, no, five for five, actually. If you count the 94 one, it just I mean, it was special. And what you're doing is you're giving these kids who are in that ultimate fandom range of, I don't know, let's call it 8 to 18 experiences that they'll never, ever, 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 ever forget in their lifetime. So I'll get into that a little bit more. But, and by the way, just so I clear some shit up here, I got a message on Instagram that said something along the lines of Burns. Bills or Niners? 
Pick one. You can't have both. And I've heard the message before. And my response was, it's always been that way and it will always be that way. So fuck off. You do you and I'm going to do me. The Buffalo Bills have always been my favorite team along with the San Francisco 49ers. I've had an AFC team. I had an NFC team. Not once have they ever faced each other in the Super Bowl. Not once. They've played each other in the regular season a handful of times in my lifetime. And I typically root for whoever needs to win more. Now, people ask me a lot whether or not I would have rooted for the Bills or Niners had they ended up facing off in Vegas this year. And the answer to that would have been the Buffalo Bills. The reason being is they don't have one. And I know what it means to Buffalo. I know what it means to, obviously, the organization. But most importantly, Bills Mafia and the fans and what they've had to endure over the years. The Bills are close. And they're going to be there, as will the Niners, for, I'm guessing, the next four or five years. And that's typically the range of these things, right? I mean, sure, there's Tom Brady in this thing last 20. But for the most part, you have a range of about five to seven years. A lot of it's dependent on your quarterback. So we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, both of those teams will always have my love. I will root for the Niners as I did when I was a kid. Um, The same way I root for the Buffalo Bills. Now, the good thing is of them not facing each other is it's fucking Niners all the way. It's faithful, baby. Look, I went to the Niners games with my dad when I was a kid. We're season tickets. We're out in front of the stadium tossing the rock. Uh, You know, he's drinking his bottle of red wine. I got a big ass Coke. We got deli sandwiches from Roberts that we picked up along the way. These are just real cool, special memories. And I'm just, I'm stoked when I watched that stadium yesterday in Santa Clara. People want to give that stadium shit. You guys go fuck off too. I mean, that place is awesome. I think it like plays really well on TV. It looks awesome on TV. And going to it, I went to the Super Bowl in 2015 there. I went to a big UCLA game there. I've never been to a Niner game there. Never. But when it comes to the events that I have been there, I loved it. All right, let's not forget our title sponsor, Bet Online, the number one online gambling destination. Obviously, you have the Super Bowl around the corner. Stay up to date with all the latest odds, news, scores, and predictions. Bet Online. Go there today. Type in the promo code BLEAV, capital B L E A V, to get 50% off your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts for all you degenerates we got super bowl odds coming up by the way uh and also let's not forget kt tape here it is kt tape you put the tape on it lifts the skin it promotes blood flow to the area reduces inflammation and alleviates pain KT tape is legit. No other way to put it. My kids use it. I use it. Friends use it. Just handed out a bunch of it the other day to a buddy of mine who was dealing with a shoulder issue. So let's see here. Check audience view. But go ahead and and why is an alarm going off? 
Interesting. Go ahead and go to your upper right-hand corner, my left-hand corner. Hit the QR code and get yourself some of the KT tape. Deflaming muscles since its creation. Then lastly, Triverge. Here it is. Go to triverge.com. This is cannabis. It is lemon. It is honey. Obviously, you hear my raspy-ass voice. Sounds like I downed a pack of Marlboro Reds last night. This has been a savior through this little bit of a voice issue that I've had since I got back from Mexico and consumed, like, plenty and plenty of tequila. So, we salute you. Uh, Triverge.com. And type in the promo code LTP10. LTP10. Ten, get yourself a discount on the gift of greatness. Any issues, ask for my guy, Jory, over there. Okay. Today's Daily Hustle Electronic Email Communication. Meet Flippy. <laughs> oh, this is a good one. Hold tight. Let's go to the actual... Email this morning, and here we go. Now, I, I need to show you guys Flippy so you really understand where this comes from. There he is. He is a smiling bird man. Okay, although many of you may perceive Flippy to be some sort of negative symbol, he's actually the exact opposite. The Smiling double Birdman reminds us to remain steadfast with our dreams despite the outside world telling us our dreams are not possible. Flippy is a simple reminder to continue to relentlessly work our asses off through any and all obstacles we will inevitably encounter in life. Most importantly, Flippy symbolizes love and togetherness. This isn't a me against the world thing. This is a we making a commitment to do everything in our power to positively influence this world thing, regardless of naysayers and haters. The grinning little fuck stick, literally, represents our attitude of gratitude to all things that come our way, including any sort of perceived challenges, successes, and opportunities. Lastly, Flippy represents the FU we all need to survive and thrive in this cutthroat world while also serving as a constant reminder to eternally smile our way through the beautiful education and experiences of life. So, how do you get your hands on this beautiful doble birdie bastard? Just like anything else that's worth a shit in life, you gotta earn it. The 2024 Daily Hustle 22-Day Challenge begins February 1st, and on February 22nd, Flippy will be made available for anyone who completed the Daily Hustle 22-Day Challenge. If you are receiving this email directly from me, you will receive the challenges in your inbox each morning. If you want to share the challenge with other family members or friends, please sign them up here, and there's a link to the sign-up for the email list. Good luck. Flippy is counting on you. EBPS to pick up a limited edition copy of the brand new Let Them Play, a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports book. Click pick below or go to 
ericburns.com now or pre-order on Amazon. And to recap the 49ers epic comeback against the Lions and Taylor Swift leading the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. Join this morning's Daily Hustle live interactive video podcast at nofilter.net or catch later in the day on Apple, Spotify, Caffeine TV, or Fubo. So, yeah, Flippy. And by the way, I told you guys this story, I think, the other day. He's so fucking cool. Look at this guy. My daughter, Callie, gave this. This is really annoying. Hold tight. It says there's 64 mile per hour winds outside when there's not. All right, hopefully that's it. Anyhow, we, uh, my daughter got this for Colton and Chloe. Callie got it. And that was her idea behind it. It was a sibling necklace. And it, it's not just about, oh, I can't stand this alarm. It's going and it's going. And it's going. It's my weather system. And if it goes off one more time, I'm going to throw it off the balcony. Actually, I'm not going to throw it off the balcony. But I am going to unplug it. Let's start with that. See ya! Nah. But, see, that's restraint right there. My younger years, I would have tossed it off the balcony. So, I was thinking about what to do with these things because I, I talked to Callie and I'm like, look, I think these are really, 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 really cool. We should order a bunch of these and then put them online for sale with the effortless book, the daily hustle 222 book, the footboards, let them play, but all of it. And I'm like, yeah, Tara was a little resistant. She didn't love the fact that here's this little bird man. And I'm like, honey, understand, like, you don't know who Flippy is. Like, you got to know who Flippy is before you say, like, it's inappropriate. I don't think that's the case. And on top of that, I wrote a book called The Fuck It List. Like, kind of goes hand in hand. Well, yesterday, I described exactly who Flippy is. And I made it very clear that this is who Flippy represents. And this is a symbol. And this is what it means. And so when you get that and you understand that, then obviously Flippy becomes a lot more appropriate. But we only have a hundred of them currently right now. And the one thing I've learned through... I don't know all these online sales or whatever. We sell hundred, anything like that's that literally, I, I, if we made a push for it, we'll sell hundred today. just like that. But I don't just want to just sell a hundred and then order a hundred more. And this, I, I like, you know what? Let's, let's make people earn these. Like, this is something kind of like how sissy gave it to Colton and Cal. Like this is the, their siblings, right? This is a bonding unification thing. Well, I want this, at least this first batch, to be a bonding unification of those 
who decide to participate in the Daily Hustle 22-day challenge. Now, we used to charge 22 bucks for the challenge. I think the first two years we charged uh, for it. And now, if I'm not mistaken, we're going into our fourth year of the challenge of Pass It. We did not charge last year, and we're not going to charge this year. The reason being is that when we charge, I'm trying to think, we would get about 300 people uh, that would sign up, and it was fine, but I'd rather get to 15,000 people and at least give those people the option because ultimately it's not about making the money. I'm pretty sure we donated that money to the foundation anyway, but it would the, the whole concept and idea is to get people active. And if you want to think about how we're going to have the biggest impact, it's by making it available for everybody and then they can decide. So at the end of the challenge, these will be made available to those who complete the 22 day challenge. Now, a lot of the challenges, you can make them as hard or as easy as you want. So I don't think it's incredibly difficult to get through the challenge if this is your ultimate goal uh, at the end. But you're the judge, you're the jury, you're the one who will know whether or not you did it. And I can personally tell you for all of you, we only have a hundred. I will order more and I'll get more if we need more, but they will go on sale and we will make them available right about the uh, middle of the month as we're getting towards the end of the challenge. So people can actually have flippy there to enjoy as they finish the 22nd day of the challenge okay moving on back to the football games from yesterday i got a top story here 32 takeaways and things we learned heading into super bowl 58 historical implications for both the chiefs and the san francisco 49ers number one super bowl 58 will be the ninth rematch in the history of the game Set to occur four years after the Kansas City Chiefs and San Francisco 49ers clash in Super Bowl 54. I feel like we've seen a lot. At least with the Niners. I mean, the Niners alone, I guess they had the Bengals, the rematch of Super Bowl 16. And then again, I want to say, was it 19 or no? 19 was Stanford Stadium against the Dolphins. So maybe it was more like 23. But we will see the rematch. Number two, uh, while NFL teams change significantly over any four-year period of time, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, defensive tackle Chris Jones, and Niners tight end George Kittle, defensive end Nick Bosa, wide receiver Debo Samuel are among the leading lights who also appeared in Kansas City's 31-20 victory at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium to cap the 2019 season. If you guys remember, that was right at the beginning of COVID. That was like the COVID super spreader of all super spreaders. Number three, the other franchises that met multiple in multiple Super Bowls, Steelers, Cowboys, Washington, Dolphins, 49ers, Bengals, I mentioned that one, Bills, Cowboys, 
Giants, Patriots, Patriots, Eagles, and Patriots, Rams. One more win, and the 49ers will join New England and Pittsburgh as the only franchises with six Lombardi trophies. I feel like they need to be there. That's significant. Uh, the most Super Bowl championships flat out determines who the best organizations are. So you can slice and dice it however you want, but the New York fucking Yankees have won 27 World Series championships. That's a lot and is significantly more than anybody else. So who owns the best franchise in Major League Baseball? That's the Yankees. There's no argument. All right. Number 4A, one more win, and the Chiefs will become the first team to win back-to-back Super Bowls since the 03-04 Patriots. The current, this is number five, 19-year gap between repeat champions is the longest of a Super Bowl era, which began in 1966. The Chiefs are only the third team to reach the Super Bowl four times in a five year period a feat previously matched only by the bills and the patriots yes sir seven kansas city has become the first team seated third in the playoffs to win it all since the 06 colts so they're saying they can become the first team since the colts i i was looking at that the one thing that scared me i like the ravens i'm not going to go back and try to tell you i like the chiefs i didn't love the ravens they just if you'd watch the Ravens in their past handful of games, they simply looked unfucking beatable. Uh, so I don't know what there was not to like with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and everything that he was doing, the fact that he was so incredibly dynamic. But ultimately here, I'm looking at it and I'm like, the Chiefs, hold on a second. Callie was upstairs doing homework, like right over here. And she's she's whistling at Eleanor, who was out on the balcony, got her all riled up. Oh, anyway. So you had the Chiefs who had, they're kind of like, they remind me of a wild card team, right? They're like the Texas Rangers from this year, where all of a sudden they become scary. They have to win a game against a good Dolphins team in Kansas City when it's minus 27 degrees out. You then get to go to Buffalo for your reward where you play a Bills team that had won six, seven straight just to get into the playoffs. And then you got to go play the best team in football at least at that moment, the Baltimore Ravens on their home turf. You pull that off, and I think the last thing the Chiefs want right now is a bye week. I'm sure they're wishing that they would be playing the Super Bowl this next weekend. Now, the 49ers, on the other hand, they survived this scare against the Packers. To get them to the NFC Championship game. Only had to win one game. They're at home. They are then get blown out by the fucking Lions in the 
first half, they're down 17 points. I mean, talk about like two different paths to get into a Super Bowl. And then Mr. Irrelevant becomes all, all so relevant as he leads the 49ers to the comeback win. I think every Super Bowl team has a story. And this is a good one because both of them, including you know the Chiefs and the Niners, both of them are making for good stories. I think we're in for a hell of a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, it says here, and this is number eight, Sunday was the first AFC title game not played in Kansas City, Kansas City's Arrowhead Stadium in six years. Jeez. Chiefs have been dominant. Number 8A, it was also the first to be played in Baltimore in 53 years. Huh. I guess that would have been the Colts back then. Number 9, San Francisco's 19 appearances in the conference title round are three more than any other franchise. The 49ers come back from a 24-7 deficit to the Lions, which included a run of 27 straight points in the second half. Tied the record for largest overcome in an NFC championship game with the 2012 Niners who survived the Atlanta Falcons. Number 11, San Francisco's seven-game winning streak at home. It's currently the longest in the playoffs. 12, Super Bowl 58 will pit the 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan and Kansas City's Andy Reid in Super Bowl's fourth coaching rematch. Number 13. Good news for Reed, all the previous ones, Pittsburgh's Chuck Knoll versus Dallas's Tom Landry, Dallas's Jimmy Johnson versus Buffalo's Marv Levy, and Giants' Tom Coughlin versus New England's Bill Belichick resulted in sweeps. 14, Sunday was Reed's 11th conference championship game appearance. Only Belichick, who has 13, has more. Number 15, Andy Reed. Next heads to his fifth Super Bowl, joining Belichick, who's got nine, and then Hall of Famers Don Shula, six, Tom Landry, five, as the only head coaches to achieve that. Number 60, Mahomes. I can't believe this. <coughs> He's fucking 28. Just 28 years old. Set to become the first quarterback to start four Super Bowls before the age of 30. That's incredible, considering Tom Brady just went through the circuit for 23 years and it seemed like he was going to the Super Bowl every single year. A lot of those came after the age of 30. Number 17, Mahomes is also the first to play in seven consecutive postseason games without throwing an interception, which is huge. 18, with 11 catches Sunday, Kelsey Blue passed Jerry Rice's all-time record 151 for postseason reception, still going strong. Kelsey now has 156. And we're 19, Baltimore tight end Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews weren't nearly as potent, combining for four receptions for 31 yards, 19A. But props to Andrews for taking the field at all, returning just 10 weeks after suffering leg and ankle injuries the Baltimore Ravens initially believed would end his season. Number 20, the Ravens managed only 81 rushing yards Sunday, the only time all season the NFL's top-ranked ground attack failed to produce at least 100 yards. Number 20, 
Uh, A, they have it here. Baltimore's running backs only received six carries against Kansas City. Are you serious? I mean, then what would you expect if that's the case? 21. Sunday's highlight had to be Baltimore quarterback Lamar Jackson. 13-yard pass and catch. The longest postseason completion by a player to himself in the Super Bowl era. Number 22, Jackson ran the ball a team high eight times for 54 yards, joined Steve Young, Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick as the only quarterbacks to rush for at least 500 career yards in the postseason. 23, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy will try to become the third Mr. Irrelevant to win a Super Bowl, joining Marty Moore, 2001 Patriots, and Ryan Suckup, the 2020 Buccaneers. I mean, Suckup, he was a kicker, right? And I don't know about Marty Moore, but Brock Purdy, he's a fucking quarterback. And this is only, what, two years removed? Less than two years removed from him being Mr. Irrelevant? This is a Disney movie. It is. It's just a matter of time. Purdy can also match Ben Roethlisberger as the only player to win a Super Bowl and play in two conference championship games. In their first two seasons. Purdy is 4-0 in playoff games. He starts and finishes. Obviously, the one loss coming to Philadelphia that he was knocked out. Whether, this 25 now, whether it be an extra point or field goal try, Niners rookie Jake Moody has missed a kick in three consecutive games. He missed the first one. Happened. It was like a 48-yarder, and then he hit everything else the rest of the day. These guys aren't perfect. I thought he did a good job rebounding. Number 26, the Lions remain one of four NFL teams to never reach the Super Bowl. Yet, they're the only team in the league that's failed to get there despite being in operation for the entirety of the game's existence. We did go over the four teams who have never been to a Super Bowl the other day, I know the Lions are one, the Browns are one, the Jacksonville Jaguars are one, although they have not been in existence the entire time, and the Houston Texans would be the fourth. Fucking nailed it. Now I did just go over those the other day with Gall. I'm not sure if we had that conversation on No Filter Networker. It was just... Us having a conversation. Um, weather, let's see here. 26A, the other Super Sunday less squads. Oh, they have them here for you. Yep, Cleveland Browns, Houston Texans, and Jacksonville Jaguars. I was not looking, by the way. 27, Detroit has not won a playoff game on the road since the 1957 season. Now, ironically, that win... In 1957, happened at Kizar Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers had a 24-7 halftime lead, the same lead that the Lions had yesterday. Yet, at Kizar, it was the Lions who came back to win that game. So 
I don't even know how many years later you guys do the math. The 49ers finally get redemption for that loss. I mean, there is a, a shit ton of irony in that, though. It's crazy. Number 28, home teams wound up with a 9-3 record in the 2023 playoffs. The upcoming Super Bowl classified as a neutral site game. 28, A, the Chiefs, who had never played away from Arrowhead in the postseason since Mahomes became the starter, had two of the three wins for the road team. I mean, yeah, the, the, the road teams, look, it's a lot more difficult to play on the road. It's as simple as that. And mainly, and the reason why, especially in the NFL, it's just hard to hear. And it disrupts play calls. Now, these guys are getting so good at it with the silent counts and everything else and whatever they have in their ear, whatever sort of devices. But I think, you know, it's got to be the sport that has the largest home field advantage just based on crowd noise. Number 29, Detroit's Jared Goff, who helped the Rams reach Super Bowl 53, came up just short of becoming the fifth quarterback to pilot two franchises to the Super Bowl. Number 30, better have that defense-primed Niners. The Chiefs have scored on their opening drive in eight consecutive postseason games. The Niners look shitty in the first half defensively. Embarrassing is what Nick Bosa said. Embarrassing. It was. It was bad. They were getting beat at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that was the thing that concerned me when we talked about taking the Niners in the second half was we're going back and forth on our degenerate gambler group thread. I'm like, you look, the biggest issue is what's happening at the line of scrimmage. The 49ers getting pushed off the fucking ball. The Lions were running the football. The 49ers knew they were running the football and they were still getting five, six, seven yards. That's an issue. Number 31. San Francisco running back Christian McCaffrey, 25 touchdowns this season, including playoffs, has eclipsed Rice's previous club mark of 23, set in 1987, though that was a strike-shortened season. I like the asterisks on this one. Number 32, and we reach the end. Ravens wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. says he has it. He caught three balls for 22 yards on Sunday which might have been his last in a Ravens uniform. However, OBJ said in the locker room afterwards that he plans to continue his career and hopes Baltimore will re-sign him. Okay, Brock Purdy was impressive. And I don't know why he gets so much hate. It's not like he's the number one overall pick that had all these expectations. The guy has come in and he's done nothing but fucking win. Yet, for whatever reason, pundits everywhere have given this guy shit, calling him anything from a game manager to being the weakest link on the San Francisco 49ers team. Just idiotic to think some of the things that have come out of these professional analysts' mouths. And I get it. You could be critical, and I appreciate speaking truth. We're No Filter Network. I want that. We want that. So if that's how they feel, I think we certainly have to respect that. But if you watch Brock Purdy play yesterday, 
shut the fuck up now. Because he was anything but a game manager. He battled his balls off start to finish. After a sluggish first half, passes that he certainly missed, could have made, he came back in the second half. And a lot of that criticism was, oh, let's see him come back from down however many points, right? Let's see who the real Brock Purdy is. And sure enough, he was in that predicament. So what was so cool, uh, there's a there's a, a whole article about this. There's a, there's a spot in a section that I, I, I really want to get to. Just hold tight with me for a second. Okay. I don't have enough good things to say about Brock. Sorry about Christian McCaffrey. All he's done since he's been here is playing an elite level. And everything starts with him. We're lucky he's our quarterback. He takes a lot of heat for absolutely no reason. Does Christian McCaffrey say this? And he's done, all he's done has been a great leader and a great player. Purdy doesn't have a big arm or plays in athleticism. See, I disagree. Like, you're trying to tell me that he doesn't have a big arm. Fuck. He had the highest yards per completion or yards per attempt than any other quarterback in the NFL, yet they're saying that he's making all these easy passes. It's just this, the numbers don't support the criticism. They haven't. They didn't going into this game as they sure as hell didn't after this game. The blazing athleticism. Look, when Brock Purdy had to run yesterday, you're telling me he didn't look like a fucking athlete? Of course he did. Since his inexperience shows up at times, his accuracy can abandon him. He's had enough interceptions dropped to convince you you, he must be living right. He is living right. He put up some astounding statistics, throwing his name in the MVP conversation. But he's also had some moments to make the thought of him winning the league's highest honors a bit ridiculous. All that was evident in the first half on Sunday. It was a version of Purdy. So easy to question, to scoff at. When mentioned with the elite, he completed just 47% of his passes the first two quarters, including an interception that set up a Detroit touchdown and missed several other throws. The potent 49ers offense against a vulnerable defense managed just seven first half points. The entire Bay Area was asking to speak to the manager. Then when Purdy emerged, the young man with a wholesome smile, responsible attire and at your service humility. Quote, my faith never wavered. 49ers saved it to Sean Gibson Sr. said of the quarterback, I've been saying it all year. You've got a guy like that who can control the game, who knows where to go and when to go with the ball. I'm happy he's on my team. I'll tell you all that. I never worry. When Purdy needs to put up points, that's when he's at his best. What pulled the 49ers through was the immeasurables of Purdy. The gunslinger mentality. The mid-major result. The Mr. Irrelevant chip on his shoulder. The little guy toughness. But most of all, the heart. Purdy isn't afraid of the pleasure. He can look rattled sometimes. But not enough to shake him into a shell. He will 
his will to win took over on Sunday, the play of the game, his deep chuck to Brandon Ayuk, which him being on the opposite side of a game manager with the 49ers down two touchdowns. And after the defense just came up with a massive turnover on downs, Purdy wasn't looking to play it safe. He was trying to make a play. I mean, geez. That, that was actually one of his worst fucking throws. Because <laughs> it went, it was overthrowing. And it wasn't even really like Ayuk was open. And the ball went off the defender's face mask, then in to Ayuk's hands. Huh. Um, there's one more spot in this article. And then let me give credit to, let's see here. Marcus Thompson says, says so good, dude. So well written. The Athletic. For years, I resisted the subscription to The Athletic. Do away with it. I, I like, do away with the, the, the concerns or resistance or whatever. They, they're fucking legit. They're the best sports writers imaginable. Ooh. The best. The best. I don't care. You know, ESPN, not five, like nowhere. The Athletic, and I know they weren't doing great as a company. I actually think they merged some with somebody, but they, uh, people want to pay for subscriptions. That's the issue. Now they did team up with Apple and they're now available if you have Apple News. Now the problem is I still think I have Apple News and a subscription to the Athletic as well. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, uh, let's see here. Yeah, so all right, this section here. Purdy has been typecast by many as a prototypical game manager, a passenger more than a driver, a beneficiary more than a benefactor, a loss preventer more than a victory retriever. The game manager label is basically a pejorative in modern quarterback discourse. But Sunday, the 49ers needed something more. Their season was on the line. Their championship hopes were slipping away. Purdy became who they needed him to be. A playmaker, a difference maker. In the second half, he was 13 for 16. Passing for 174 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. His 49 rushing yards was the best evidence he wasn't merely a passenger in this historic comeback. He was driving. Quote, I thought it was a difference between winning and losing head coach Kyle Shannon instead of Purdy's scrambling. He made some big plays with his legs, getting out of the pocket, moving the chains on first downs, some explosives. He competed his ass off today. Wasn't easy for any of us. 
He kept grinding. He was unbelievable there in the second half. In the NFC divisional round, Purdy overcame his struggles to come up with clutch in the final drive, marching the 49ers to a game-winning score. He one-upped himself in the NFC title, down 17 points at halftime. He orchestrated a run of 27 points over five consecutive drives, flipping the script on the Lions. Quote, when I'm down 17 and a half, this is a quote I really wanted to get to. When I'm down 17 and a half, Purdy said, honestly, I'm thinking, all right, God, you've taken me here. Win or lose, I'm going to glorify you. That's my peace. That's my joy. That's the steadfastness. That's where I get it from. That's the honest truth. Powerful. I don't know. If you didn't believe in God before Brock Purdy's miraculous second half comeback, maybe you might want to start now. His faith, and I don't care what your religious affiliation is, one bit, but I will tell you that being a man of faith to be able to Go there in that sort of situation. You're down 17. Everything's unraveling. Terrible, terrible, terrible first half. Could not have gone worse. And you get in the locker room. And you've done your preparation. You know what you have to do. And you look in the mirror. And this is a let go, let God, trust your training moment. And so he's like, look, I don't know if we're going to win this thing. I don't know if we're going to lose this thing. But regardless, I'm going to go up there in the second half. And I'm going to compete my ass off. And I am going to do everything in my power to glorify you, my Lord and Savior. You think that helped Brock Purdy? You're damn right it did. So just look, in a day and age of this look at me, look at me, social media, bullshit, and everything. I'm not social, I need, social media is so far beyond that now. I mean, it's now people are making a living off of social media, as we are. So, I want to I wanna be cautious with that, but in the day of age where just people obviously continue to champion themselves, and it's nice to see uh, somebody always giving credit to to a higher power, and Look, I, Brock Purdy's faith is what has allowed him to be the man and the athlete that he is at this moment. Pejorative. Yes, I do love that word. It is incredible. I, so, I, so I sent that whole section. I forgot. I sent that whole section to the commitment chat. The one I just read to you. Pejorative. Do we need to look up pejorative? I don't know what it is. But that word. Well, it's definitely in there. Let's let's look it up. Let's see if we can find it. Pejorative, meaning permissiveness is used almost universally as a pejorative term. As a noun, most of what he said was inflammatory and filled with pejoratives. Pejorative meaning a word or phrase that has negative connotations or that is intended to disparage 
or belittle. So there is your word of the day here on the Daily Hustle. Pejorative. Okay, the Chiefs are going to be in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl. The big question becomes, will Taylor Swift be there? Taylor Swift apparently continues her heiress tour in Japan on February 7th, I believe. I have the article here in front of me. And then she has another performance on February 10th. That's the day before the Super Bowl. However, some have speculated that that gives her plenty of time to hop on her plane and make it to Las Vegas in time for kickoff, considering Tokyo is 17 hours ahead, buying her almost an entire extra day. Wow. Yes, of course she's going to fucking be there. I mean, she's been bright and center and all this. If I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I'm pissed. If she's not there. People can say whatever they want about the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing playing out in front of us. I fucking love it. I said this from the beginning. If you remember, you could go back and however many months ago it was. But basically, we here at No Filter Network, we said, this is the love story that America needs right now. You have not Taylor Swift with, who is the world's biggest international superstar. And one of the biggest superstars, I think, of our lifetime, period. The biggest superstar of our generation, for sure. But you have her dating the everyday man, right? Like, this is the guy's guy. Travis Kelsey is a dude. I've hung out with him multiple times. Broke bread with him. Got fucked up in a club with him. He was down in Chileno Bay in Mexico with a bunch of my friends like not that long ago getting wild the stories are crazy but the bottom line is he's kind of a guy's guy so this isn't some pretty boy quarterback all due respect to the Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world Jimmy Garoppolo is really pretty this isn't even Tom Brady this is like the dude's dude not to say that Tom's not a dude's dude Tom's got more of the GQ-ish, whatever. And Travis Kelsey, good-looking fucking guy, and he can dance like a motherfucker. So I don't want to discount all these great attributes, but the fact that Taylor Swift was able to see it, and not to mention, like, the thing about Kelsey, he's a family guy. I mean, you could see it with the way he interacts with his mom and his brother and, you know, what they're doing with their podcast and Jason Kelsey. I mean, he's a guy, I want to hang out with Jason every bit as much as I want to hang out with Travis. But through all of this, understand, like, his life has taken a dramatic turn. I still love it. And everyone's like, oh, no, I don't need his feet. I mean, Henry was saying it the other day. I don't need to keep panning over to Taylor. Why? 
I like them paying over to Taylor Swift. And No Filter's done a couple of posts about, oh, like Lamar make this stop and all this stuff. And that's it. You know, it was Taylor Swift doing some handshake with whoever it was and moving around. I love it. And you know who else loves it? The NFL loves it. Why? Multiple reasons. And it's not just cash. Look, there's some formula that basically has said that Taylor Swift has made the NFL like 30 million bucks. You think the NFL gives a fuck about 30 million bucks? Seriously. Like, like that's a, that is a drop in a fucking bucket. It is minuscule to what this league is actually really making. They love it because they're reaching a whole new audience. And from a PR perspective, and who knows where it will lead down the road because the 30 million might turn into 300 million, might turn into 3 billion with Taylor's continued support of the NFL. But more than anything, it just adds a whole new, fresh element to things that quite frankly, outside of the Super Bowl halftime show, hasn't really been there. Now, you've had star actors, actresses, musicians, dating, athletes. Nothing like this. It's just it literally like, is nothing like this. So you have America's sweetheart with America's dude. Henry, that's why people care. That's why it fucking matters. Okay, so this then brings up something that we've gone over. Well, I'll take that back. I want to bring up something that was brought to light last week and then caused a lot of discussion throughout the course of last week leading up to the game. And then, of course... It became an issue during the game. The NFL under suspicion over the rep picked for the Chiefs-Ravens game. Upon learning about the NFL signing Sean Smith to referee the FC Championship game between the Chiefs and the Ravens, theories began to circulate. On Tuesday, Warren Sharp, a football analyst, broke down the many reasons why Smith's appointment favors the Kansas City Chiefs. He also entertained the possibility that the NFL could be trying to use a certain A-list celebrity to increase viewership in the Super Bowl as if they needed it and to sell more NFL merchandise. Okay. This year's Super Bowl, I've got to believe, is going to be the most watched Super Bowl of all time. And yes, Taylor Swift is a huge fucking reason why. So, if you're the NFL, you're not going to fix games. That's just so beyond you. You don't have to fix games. I mean, you could put two shitty teams in the Super Bowl or two teams from, you know, Carolina. I mean, we had Carolina and New England. Like, you know, New England, obviously, the whole Boston area and everything else. But, you know, back in the day, like, that wasn't a, Super attractive matchup, right? Doesn't matter. The game is bigger than the team. Just one of the few events that happens through the course of a fucking year that I, the Masters is bigger than the golfer. You don't need Tiger Woods to win the Masters. It's the Masters. 
Well, the Super Bowl is bigger than the teams. So the NFL didn't have to fix shit. But if the NFL wanted to skew things potentially in the favor of possibly getting the Kansas City Chiefs to the Super Bowl, they could do that. And well, guess what? They fucking did it. Because the numbers here are astonishing. According to Sharp, home teams have a 55.4 win percentage since Smith entered the league as a referee, which is sounds like a very basic number and would make a lot of sense. That number drops to 40.8%, not 48, 40.8% when Smith refs the game. That's a 14.6% difference between he and his peers, even when you take point spread into consideration, the disparity between Smith and the other referees is steep across the NFL in the last three seasons. Home teams have covered 49.4% of the spreads under Smith. Home teams are only 17, 29 and three against the spread, which is 37% over the last three years. The reason according to sharp is that Smith, tends to penalize the home team at a higher rate than his counterparts. One example, the analyst points to are the number of false starts called is jarring league-wide over the three seasons in games Smith did not officiate. 4.6% more false start penalties were called on the road team, Sharp wrote. Conversely, in games Smith does, he has called 34.8% more false starts on the home team. Sharp added. So why did the NFL select such a polarizing referee to officiate a game that will determine the FC's participant in the Super Bowl? The answer is unclear. But Sharp warns of conspiracies that will fly because of especially one involving the sideshow that follows the Chiefs everywhere they go. Quote, and it certainly doesn't help with the conspiracy theories that the NFL would like nothing more than to see new Chiefs number one fan Taylor Swift and her legendary fan base of the Swifties in the Super Bowl and buying up all the Super Bowl merchandise. Okay. A Super Bowl box. And I'm curious about this because we're obviously seeing Taylor Swift in every one of these boxes that she goes to, whether it's in Kansas City or on the road and visiting stadiums. Now, I'm going to assume that the ownership group has a box. Now, is she buying her own box? Is she sharing the box with the ownership group? Is the ownership group giving her the box? Does the ownership group possibly have two boxes? And they're like, okay, we'll give one to Taylor. Keep the other one. I don't know the details of that. But look, to think that Taylor Swift could buy her own fucking box, especially like the one in New York when she packed it with all of her A-list celeb uh, friends, that you know, that makes a lot of sense, right? But the question becomes now, as we're going to the Super Bowl, these boxes, and I don't, I don't know because I don't have it in front of me. I'm gonna guess, like, because I I've looked into it before. The one in Atlanta, I want to say, was like 125 grand, and that was the Patriots. Rams Super Bowl 
back in 2019. So the box this year with Taylor being there, I got to believe as at least double that 300 grand. Got to be 300 grand. So look, Taylor Swift were hundreds and hundreds of fucking millions of dollars. It'd be a hit on Travis's. I know he makes a lot of money, but geez, I, and I'm sure she can afford it. But is the NFL putting her up in these boxes? I don't know. The bottom line is like it or not, hate it if you must. This is fucking great for the NFL to have the world's biggest superstar in attendance. And, yeah, she doesn't have to do the halftime show. But she will be as big of a sideshow as the entire fucking halftime show on their own. Okay. Dude, I think I've been rambling on for a long-ass time now. I have no idea. Kelly Hats, what's up, baby? Viva Las Vegas. And next LTP journey is going to be at Twig Creek's. In a few weeks, President's Day weekend. We had the 14U SoCal squad takedown attorney this weekend. We had a makeshift SoCal 12U team takedown attorney this weekend. So LTP is off and firing in 2024 and winning a shit ton of games to kick off the year. That is fantastic. All right. The last thing that we will go over here is well number one the chiefs and the niners is this the raiders worst nightmare a super bowl in their backyard with their two biggest arch rivals the kansas city chiefs where you go back years and years and years it's just uh, I mean, the only other team I can think that would have made this a worse Super Bowl for true diehard Raider fans would be the Chargers. That'd be it. That's it. Because Raider fans and Niner fans have never gotten along. Look, I'm an A's guy and a Giants guy. The same way I'm a Bills guy and a 49ers. Like, I've never, I've never had that hate. Like, I just have appreciation. I mean, that's it. I mean, I think it's pretty logical, right? I appreciation for the Bay. Like, I rooted for the fucking Raiders. 100%. I still root for the Raiders. I like the Raiders. If the Raiders were in the Super Bowl going against any other team besides the Niners, I'd probably root for the Raiders. I would root for the Raiders. But, hey, for Raider fans that want to comply, like, just uh, get over it. Now, the Chiefs are going to be working out in the Raiders facilities, and the Niners are actually going to be working out in the UNLV football facility. So let's get right to it. And we'll end with this. The Super Bowl 58 odds. The Niners favored against the Chiefs in Las Vegas. Is this a surprise? Not at all. I knew they would be favored. The question was going to be by how much? My initial thought, three. That's it. But then you start doing some math with that, 
And I wasn't sure if three made sense because that's basically saying that home field is worth six points. So if you have, and that's typically how they do it. So if, for example, if you had the 49ers playing at San Francisco, then if the 49ers were favored by three, then if you were to say at the same time, they were to reverse that game and put it in Kansas City, the line would be Kansas City by three. Then you would say, okay, if it was at a neutral site field, then the line would be even. I would say this matchup should be pretty close to even. They're at a neutral field. This is where I think they drill the line. Because... Minus three would have been a little aggressive. I will venture to say, and I might be wrong on this, but 80% Niner fans. And I've been to several Super Bowls. It happens all the time. It really does. That Super Bowl in Arizona that I went to, it was the Seahawks. And New England. And it was fucking Seattle fans everywhere. I do think there is something to the proximity of West Coast, East Coast, everything else. It definitely is some sort of correlation between the two there. So the fact that you have the 49ers, who so many people from the San Francisco Bay Area are used to hopping on a flight, Rolling down to Vegas, it's a it's an hour flight. Like the geographical location, boom, 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 hour flight. That's it. Super, super easy. The drive's a little more pain in the ass, like seven hours. But this is in the 49ers' backyard. So knowing that, is it a full home game? No, it's not a full home game. But it is going to be pretty damn near a full home game. That's why I feel like the line should still be closer to three. So at minus one and a half, which is the final line, I like the Niners. I would take them on the money line before laying the one and a half. I've just seen too many times what we could say a 49er, 28-27 victory. You're like, oh, fuck. You don't cover the spread. And by the way, the late touchdown by the Lions to cover that spread, well-deserved. 1,000% well-deserved. They did not deserve to cover that line, the 49ers, that is. Just did not deserve it. I, I know they had the great second-half comeback, but if you're a Lions backer and you bet Lions plus seven and now all of a sudden you're at the end of the game, it's fucking plus 10, you're like, dude, what did I do to deserve this? Like, that's just, it's just, life's not fair. So, Goff hitting that late fourth down touchdown pass late in the fourth quarter. Well, well earned. A well earned cover by the Detroit Lions. The OU in the Super Bowl. I was thinking, okay, so you have the Kansas City defense, which has essentially been a shutdown defense as of late. Will they be able to stop the 49ers offense? Offense. The answer that's no. They're good. Can they slow them down? Yeah, is for, are the 49ers going to score 30? No, probably not. But the 49ers should get well into the 20s. We'll see. Again, like I think this, we're looking at a 
24 game. I and mean, that's what 49 points. It, it's going to be right. Of it. it could be 24, 23 and then it's 47. That's what most experts are predicting. My inclination just because it's a Super Bowl and also the fact that I didn't love what I saw out of the Niners D. So if Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey and company do end up running it up on the Niners, then I, I don't want to get caught with my pants down and I'd rather have the over than the under. I think this will probably get bet up a little bit. If it gets to 49, you're going to see some heavy action come back in on the under. I think right now at 47 and a half is kind of neutral. If it drops to 47, you'll see a shit ton of action then go to the over. So, yeah, uh, minus 120 on the money line. I my initial bets right here. I'd go Niners minus 120 on the money line, and I would take the over 47 and a half, and then I would anticipate a uh, 28-24 Niner win in Vegas. 29th of January, 2024. That's my prediction. All right. Will the Thrill and I back on Deuce as well tomorrow? We'll talk a shit ton of baseball. We will continue to break down these NFC and AFC championship games tomorrow on the Daily Hustle. Don't forget to, number one, sign up for the Daily Hustle 22-day challenge. If you're on the email list already, it's there for you. If you're not on the email list, do me a favor. Go to my social media on Instagram. Go to Storytime. And basically, I put a link where you're able to sign up for the email list. You sign up for the email list. The emails will come in. 22-day challenge. And then at the end of the challenge, if you do complete all 22, you'll have an opportunity to get one of these flippy double verse stick figure. Uh, and also, don't be afraid to go to ericburns.com. This is a limited edition copy. We have, I think, less than 100 left now of the original 700 that we ordered. Is a parenting and coaching guide to youth sports. Just awesome nuggets of wisdom in here from accumulated years of education and experience uh they're also available now for pre-order on amazon if that is your preferred method that's it everyone have a fantastic day and uh we'll see you tomorrow go niners see ya